Yeah, good morning, everyone. Hope everyone's well. Um, so, yeah, we'll be continuing on our theme um, of, of this month, which is for the love of God. Um, and yes, we are cliche, so it will be on love because it's Valentine's Day. So, but well, hopefully, it won't be corny. Um, yeah, so our theme for the love of God, we're exploring different parts of it, both on Wednesdays and on Sundays. Um, and today, it will, well, the focus will be on how we can date and marry well. Um, I know it's something that we've talked about as a church, um, something that we talk about as young adults as well, um, something that we want to do well. Um, so we want to try to explore um, how we can do it well through the scriptures. Um, obviously, there is no kind of perfect scripture about how to date in the scriptures. Um, and you hear all manner of stuff um, floating around about what you should do, what you shouldn't do. So I'm hoping not to give another law or another rule, but to to see how we can, um, through the scriptures, um, do it well, date well, and by the God, grace of God, marry well. So we'll be using Galatians 5, verse 13 to 15. That's kind of like our main um, place. We'll, we'll rest that, but we'll go to other places as well. So hopefully you have your Bibles here and at home. If not, um, it should be on the screen. Um, so we'll read it and then we'll pray. So Galatians 5, verse 13 to 15. Galatians 5, verse 13 to 15. Okay, and I'll read. <clears throat> for you are called to be free, brothers. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the entire law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you be consumed by one another. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for another time to meet with you through your word. Thank you, Lord, because your word is spirit and it is life. So God, we ask, Lord, that you will speak over us today through your word, for it's your word that changes us and transforms us. Thank for this privilege that you have given us to, to hear from you this morning. I pray, Lord, that we will respond to it, that we'll have ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to receive, that we will not just be hearers of your word, but we will be doers of your word too. Thank you, God, for this time to explore your love for us and how we can um, be stirred and moved and empowered to love others well. May we do that, not just today, but for the rest of our days, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, so, as, as I said before, there's no perfect scripture, so it was actually quite hard to find one um, to, to see where I could uh, try to unpack what we're going to be discussing today for the love of God, Valentine's Day edition. Um, so, I'll just give a quick background to Galatians before we go into it. So, the, the purpose of of the book of Galatians is Paul is arguing um, for to the Galatian church um, why they are why they are free, um, how they are justified, and why they don't need to use the laws, the Jewish laws, or any traditions to keep their justification or to be made right with God. So he's let them know that the new covenant, through the death and resurrection of Jesus, has set them free from the burden of the law, um, from the curse of the law as well. Um, so there were a group of um, false teachers called the Judaizers who were coming in and telling them that you're saved by by grace, but also by what you do. So you need to you need to be circumcised. You need to keep the traditions. And Paul was saying, no, you don't have to do that. Um, that you're saved alone by faith alone in, in Christ alone. So chapter five specifically, 
Paul's letting the believers know that they are empowered by the Holy Spirit who's given to us as a deposit upon salvation to live out this new life in Christ. So the kind of link I'm trying to draw from that is that there are times where we create rules and regulations around dating and around marriage to try um, to say this is the Christian way of doing it. And this, similarly to the, the laws and the traditions that the Judaizers give them, can be a burden. And we can make these laws and traditions kind of like the, 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 um, the ground by which we justify ourselves, right? And what I'm going to argue is, or try to argue, is that that is also equally wrong, right? That God has called us to freedom. Freedom, I know when Africans say freedom, they hear lawlessness. That's not the same thing, right? Freedom isn't lawlessness. Um, the best definition I've heard of freedom is freedom is not the ability to do whatever you want, but it's the power to do what you should. And that is what Christ has called us. He's empowered us to be able to do what we should. So the temptation to live by laws still kind of affects us, right? We still want to live by laws. We want to know, okay, what should I do and how I should do it, right? But that is why we have God's word and that's why we have the Holy Spirit. So whilst there are laws for specific things, right, we should do, we, should, we, we are commanded to do things and God's commands aren't burdensome, right? There isn't a law for every single thing. Like I will not find a law in the scriptures whether I should eat pizza or not or whether I should go and watch football. And to try and use the scripture to try to create a law so I can prove that I can do those things isn't what the Bible is for. But what we should do is gain the commands that the scripture does give us and then use it as biblical wisdom to help guide our lives, right? So with all wisdom, um, or all God's commands are wise, but not every wise thing is a command. And I think it's very important to get those two distinctions right. So... The, the point of Galatians 5 to 13 to 5, verse 13 to 15, is that we have been called to freedom, right? Freedom, again, is not lawlessness, but it is living out by the power of the Holy Spirit, this new life we have in Christ, right? So verse 13 again, let's just go through it and see how we can relate it to, to ourselves. So verse 13 says this, For you are called to be free, brothers, only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. So Paul is stressing here um, against what the Judaizers are, have infiltrated the church to tell them, that you need to still keep the laws to be saved. And Paul is saying, no, you don't. That is legalism. And by doing that, you actually um, throw away what Christ has bought for you, which is salvation through faith alone right so we're saying that you've been called to freedom you're free from trying to keep the laws to justify you because it can't that's what jesus showed you you can't keep the the, the law to and, and be saved it's impossible you need to believe in him so what what paul does give a caution though in the second half of verse 13 he says this don't use your freedom as a way to be selfish don't use the opportunity to self-indulge and do whatever you want to do that's not true freedom that's actually slavery if you are if you just do whatever you feel like doing you're not actually free you're a slave to your to your desires right but he says instead use your freedom to serve one another with love and that's true freedom true freedom is be able to give yourself over to other people to serve them and to love them well and that's what paul tells us and tells the galatian church he tells us as well as a result so um when we love one another we're doing it by the power of God um, through us, which is the higher ethic, highest ethic that we see in scripture, which is love, right? 
love is the giving of ourselves to others for the glory of God. And that's what we've been set free um, set free to. And we've been set free from the bondage of sin, the bondage of keeping laws and traditions to try to justify us, right? We're, we're free. And by grace, we are free. And that's something important to remind ourselves by, not just in how we love one another, but in our daily lives that we are free. So verse 14 says this, for the entire law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself, right? So this is how we can walk in freedom, right? So love for our neighbor is how we fulfill the law, not by trying to pick which laws we want to do and try to twist them into making a rule for someone to follow. But we look at the law um, and we see the content of the law, which is what the Pharisees missed, right? It wasn't just about doing them. It was the, the message of the law or the purpose of the law was love, was to love God and love ourselves, right? Um, love each other, rather. And love for our neighbor stems from love for God. You can't truly love your neighbor if you don't love God. And you can't love God if God hasn't loved you first. And that's what First John 4, verse 19 to 21 says. So let's quickly read that. So First John 4, verse 19 to 21 shows us this nice order of how love can be achieved. So verse 19 to 21 says this, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother, he has seen, cannot love God, he has not seen. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother. So you see the order, God first loves us, we love him back, then we can love others. Right, so we can't say that we love others. We can't say that we love others if we don't love God, and we can't say that we love God if we don't love other people. It's impossible, right? So, um, the way we can love people well is by first receiving love from God, and that's what Paul is explaining here. The way to fulfill the law is to love your neighbor. So I don't have to say, okay, I'm not going to steal, I'm not going to lie, I'm not going to, I'm not going to cheat, I'm not going to commit adultery. If I love my neighbor, I won't do those things because I won't commit I won't, I won't commit idolatry to my neighbor because I know they can't bear the burden of praise that only belongs to God. I won't cheat because that's not loving to my neighbor. I won't lie to my neighbor because it's loving. So if I focus on loving others, I won't do those other things anyway. And that's what Paul is saying here. So Paul's saying that you can't justify yourself by obeying laws, but the purpose of obedience is to bear the fruit, which is um, of love, right? If you love someone, obedience follows flows naturally. So finally, verse 15, before we try to relate it to dating, verse 15 of Galatians 5 says this. Quickly pull it back up. But, so he's saying, the fulfillment of the law is love in your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out or you be consumed by one another, right? So what he's saying here is, we're going to have differences, right? Freedom, we're going to have differences. We're, we're made in the image of God, but God has made us differently. We have different experiences. We have different cultures. We have different upbringings, right? We're going to have different opinions on things that are not explicitly declared in scripture. Some people will want to eat meat. Some people will say, oh, you shouldn't eat meat. Some people will say you should have long hair. You shouldn't have long hair. Some people say you should wear skirts. Some people say you shouldn't wear skirts, right? And Paul saying here, don't let differences of opinion cause division and arguments around you, right? Um, and I guess a, a greater expansion of this point is seen in Romans 14. We won't read all of it, but Romans 14 basically pours arguing to the Roman church, right, that the weak shouldn't despise the strong in faith and the strong in faith shouldn't judge the weak in faith, right? 
and that in the way that we can love each other well uses food for example that if you for example don't mind eating meat but someone else thinks meat eating meat is sinful they shouldn't judge that person for thinking that that's their conviction but also the person who's convicted about meat shouldn't try to take their conviction and superimpose it on the people that do like meat and say that you shouldn't eat meat because I feel like you shouldn't eat meat right and try to use the scriptures to argue for your point that's not love what is love is that we see each other's point of view we have try to hear and understand their point of view and we serve them in such a way that we'll love them so for example if somebody is convicted about not eating meat i don't go and bring ribs around them i just like eating them and the rib is falling on their body that's not love right what i will do is humble myself and say you know what for your sake i won't eat meat around you and the other person won't, if he sees me eating ribs won't be huffing and puffing and kissing their teeth every time I take a bite of those ribs, right? Because that's not loving either. So Paul here is saying, when we have differences of opinion around things like dating, right? Or we have things about how we should operate in marriage, that like we shouldn't be doing slide digs and um, bringing people down because our, their opinion differs to us, as long as they're being faithful to the scriptures, right? Because there isn't a clear outline of how we should date, right? But there is biblical wisdom we can draw out from the scriptures that can help and guide us towards faithful and biblical dating and by the grace of God, faithful biblical marriage. So, so how can we practically walk out these kind of steps um, in, in faithful biblical marriage? So, like I said, dating isn't explicitly declared in scripture, right? That doesn't make it ungodly, but also you can't say that it's godly either. It's just a way that in our society, that we try to navigate finding somebody to marry, right? So when it comes to dating, people look at like rules. What should I do? What shouldn't I do, right? And that can cause unnecessary arguments. It can cause um, stress within a family, within friends. People want to do it right. So what we can draw out from Galatians 5 and Romans 14 is that we cannot use our convictions as laws, right? Your convictions or your wisdom aren't laws. They're not divinely given. You can't say that I didn't do it this way, so you can't do it this way. And conversely, you can't, because you feel free to do something, can't then go and say, well, everybody should go and do it. That is not what we see in scripture. What we see in scripture, that true love serves one another in love. So if somebody is weak in the faith, we don't, we don't ignore that and start telling them to do whatever they like doing. But if someone's strong in faith, we don't judge them because they have a different conviction from, from us, right? As long as it is clear they're not violating biblical commands, right? So we need to remember this, very, very important. So we need to try to, try to help ourselves see what, what the purpose of dating is, right? Should be, it should at least be purposeful in a sense, right? For the, like I said, there's no dating in the Bible, but there are wise ways that we can navigate it. So the book of Proverbs, right? gives us multiple commands about um, there is wisdom in the abundance of counselors, right? Now, wisdom, again, isn't a law. And I think sometimes we can try to use people's um, wisdom so we can pin it on someone if it goes wrong, right? So Pastor Eric told me to do this. So if it goes wrong, I'm like, I can blame him because he told me. Again, that's not the purpose of wisdom. We have elders, we have our parents, we have our friends to help us make wise decisions. Why? Because we can't see everything in full. Right, we're limited in our in our imagination, we're limited in our knowledge, we're limited in our experience. So when we have other people's views and wisdom, both who are also filled with the Spirit of God, they can help us navigate situations where, where we may be confused 
or maybe or maybe we're not confused, we're sure, but it might give us a different perspective that we can think about to help us make a better decision that we might have made by ourselves, right? So we can still listen to different people, hear them and say, you know what, I don't think that's for me, but I, I get what you're saying. And don't be offended, right? You don't have to be offended if somebody doesn't take your advice. Again, your advice is not divine, right? No matter how great you think your advice is, it's not divine, right? So shouldn't be offended because somebody said, you know what, thank you, but no thank you. Also, you shouldn't also despise people giving you advice. Who do you think you are giving me advice? I don't need you. I, I've read all the books. I'm sure you have, but we still need people. We were made for community. So there are ways we can navigate this where we don't have to be... Um, we don't have to have strife. We don't have to have tension, right? By listening and 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 supporting one another through this thing that is not clear or is not even mentioned in scripture. So second point is that we can show love when we're discussing dating with our parents, with our adults in the church. And, we, and same when you're discussing it with the younger people who are looking to get married by dating and stuff like that, right? We are probably going to have different views. We're in different generations. We have different upbringings. We were born in different places, right? We're going to see things differently. How you may have dated, I'm not going to say a date, to, not to insult anybody, but when you may have dated for a while ago, might be different to, to now. There are different things, there are different avenues that people have to, to date and to, and, and to get to know people or, or whatever the case may be. There's probably going to be disagreement. There's probably going to be um, tension, right? But this tension, as Paul says in Galatians 5, verse 15, we shouldn't bite and devour one another, right? So, like, the imagery there is like a, a wild animal attacking one another. That Paul's saying, don't be like that. Don't be like wild animals attacking one another because you you differ on your, on your opinion. That isn't loving, right? That's the antithesis of love. If we compare verse 14 and 15 where he says, love your neighbor as yourself, but if you bite and devour one another, you're going to consume one another. Like you say, nobody will win. Nobody will win. So how can we faithfully navigate discussions where things are different, right? So for example, if a tradition, for us, I don't know, bride price, for example, right? One person thinks, I don't care about it. Your parents think you need to do it, right? Please don't go to, okay, let's go to Genesis and see what Abraham did. It. Okay, that's, again, it's not a law, right? Because we can, we can just go into the scripture, find anything to back our point. That's not how we use the scripture. That's you're manipulating the scripture to try to make a law to superimpose your conviction on someone else. That isn't love, right? What we what we must do is humble ourselves, both of us, to hear why you think it's important, why the other person thinks it's not important, and then come together and love one another. And loving one another doesn't mean we come to an agreement. It means that we respect one another to the point where we can say, you're full with the spirit of God, and so am I. And we can both make decisions that are separate and still not be in conflict forever, right? So that's how we can navigate you know, something like that. So this is more than just tolerance, right? This is accepting one another in the faith as our brothers and sisters, because above our differences, right, we are we have been bought by the same blood. We're covenant, we're, we're covenantly bind, bound together forever by the blood of Jesus, right? Things that shouldn't matter that won't matter eternally, shouldn't be things that separate us, right? It doesn't really bode well, when especially when Jesus says that we are, will be known by our love for one another. So if we're arguing over things that really don't really matter, it doesn't, it, it doesn't shine our light at all, right? So finally, dating for marriage as, as Christians, most people might probably agree that 
you should date for marriage. Some people don't agree, right? But assuming that we are dating for marriage, right, we need to have a big picture of why we are dating and what marriage is. So we, what we must not do is use the benefits of marriage and make them the goal of marriage because they're not the same thing. The goal of marriage is to display the glory of the gospel, which is Christ marrying a bride for himself by redeeming sinners and bringing them to himself. And we are mirroring that. So whenever a man and a woman comes together in marriage, you're painting a picture, you're trying to paint a picture that replicates Christ and the church, right? And that's what we're aiming to do. So if we don't have that in mind, we will date aimlessly, right? And we'll probably end up not being able to fulfill what Galatians 5 verse 13 15 declares of freedom being used to love and serve one another because, you're, because your dating doesn't have a purpose, it's not driven to, to, any, to anywhere. I'm sure some people will disagree and that's okay. As Romans 14 says, right? So, so when we have of that right view of mind um, about marriage, right, we have a higher purpose and, and uh, of, of what it's meant to be. We can do what Paul declares in Rome, um, in Galatians 5 verse 14. Well, we can serve one another in love because we see that's what Christ does for his church, right? Um, as, as, as Todd said last week, the onus is on the individual to do what Christ commands. So we see that in in the in the picture of marriage that the men are replicating Christ in such a way. So what do, what do we see Christ do? We see that Christ loved the church and gave his life for them, right? Um, that's not hyperbole. That's not just that's not an uh, that's not an allegorical image. It's an actual thing that Christ did, and God calls us to join Christ in that and replicate that. We see that in in the picture of marriage that women are sort of are emulating the church and they respond to the love that. Christ, that Christ gives the church first and when we do that we can fulfill this law of God we can fulfill that command to um we can fulfill the law by doing by loving our neighbor as ourselves right and if we're both concerned with loving our neighbor as ourselves nobody loses because I'm not trying to only replicate love when love is shown to me but I'm loving irrespective of anyone's love for me because God loves me perfectly and that's how we can that's how we won't put burdens on people that they can't, that they can't bear because if I'm only going to love you based on how much you love me, then the love I have for you is not really love, right? So what we need to do is have a higher mind and thought on marriage and higher thought on dating, how we can do it in a godly way, in a way that doesn't serve man, doesn't serve our own selfish needs, but serves um, God and other people that we're able to do it well, however we decide to do kind of like the intricacies of not um, um, they're not mentioned clearly in scripture right so finally um the, to conclude we need one another right paul makes that clear both in romans 14 and in galatians 5 we need one another we were we were not saved we were saved individually but we were saved into a body right so we were saved um to um in a community the same way the trinity's in a community we're meant to replicate that and they are one in mind in purpose um, and, and in love and that's what we should be also so let's not let disagreements on how things should be right which won't matter in eternity right cause strife and contention here on earth right we can have different views my view is not the preeminent view your view is not the preeminent view right the preeminent view is the things that are um, expressly exp exclaimed in the scripture and how we can help ourselves understand this is to understand the difference the scripture is sufficient, right? The scripture is not um, 
doesn't have every answer for every um, question, for every topic, in every way of life. If you're trying to use the, script, the Bible for that, you will be disappointed, right? Um, we should also not try to manipulate the scriptures to try to make, um, try to um, create a point that the Bible doesn't make. Because the same way you didn't consult God when you picked a football team to support, when you picked a car to drive, is the same way you should try to use the scripture to be like, okay, I need to try to convince them that they shouldn't date this way, so I'm going to try to find something to, that's, that, that, is, that is not done in love for your, for your neighbour, right? So we need to, we need to humble ourselves to understand that we need one another and we need to serve one another. And to do so, we don't date for the purpose of making our parents happy, to make our friends happy, or even primarily to make ourselves happy. While those may be benefits, we do it ultimately for the glory of God. And we do everything for the glory of God, to make God look great, not only to ourselves, but to other people. Love should rule us, right? So we have not been called to bondage, we have been called to rulemaking, right? We didn't we weren't saved from the law to know and create new laws for ourselves to try to follow to make ourselves Christians. You're not saved by your obedience. You're saved by faith in Christ alone, right? Obedience is your fruit. Obedience is not your root. Your root is Christ alone. So if you're trying to justify yourself by how well you date or how well you marry, you're going to be disappointed because the days you do it wrong, you're going to feel unjustified. But if your focus is on Christ, who is your justification, then everything you do, whether good or bad, you know you can run to him anyway. So let us remind ourselves that it's for freedom that Christ has set us free, not to more lawmaking or rulemaking. And finally, we can disagree and we will disagree. There's probably people who disagree with me now and that's fine. I'm not going to fight you, right? But please don't fight me. We, don't, we can disagree and that's okay. Our disagreement is not ungodly. But what can be ungodly is when, we, when it causes fights and strife. You're not going to talk to somebody because they disagree with you. That is pride, right? We do not, we are none of us are omniscient, none of us know everything. The only person who does know everything is God, right? And there are some things he hasn't put in the scriptures for a purpose, right? He has not put everything in the scriptures because the scriptures are not exhaustive. They are sufficient and they're sufficient for your life, for godliness, for salvation, for knowing knowledge about sin. They're not sufficient to how to date. And that's okay because dating is not gonna save you, right? It's a gift from God we can use for our enjoyment. God has created us to enjoy things. When he created things, he called them good, right? We can enjoy things, not ungodly to enjoy things. So we can enjoy and we can enjoy to the glory of God. So how we love gives God glory. And that's the difference between how an unbeliever may date and how a believer will date. We do it to make much of Jesus first. We do it so that when people see how we date, it gives glory to God, not glory to our relationship, right? The benefits of something is not the goal of something and we shouldn't, confuse the two because that will cause idolatry so just to conclude finally let us love well right if you are dating it is actually a finally it's not a, i don't have another point it's got it's done uh <laughs> like uh if if we are to date well people who are dating people are looking to marry right may your first goal not be to make your parents happy to make your girlfriend happy your boyfriend happy or to make people around you happy the first your first aim is to make god look big the way he is right to make people see your relationship and glorify god for it that's what we are called to do in everything and every other benefit your mum being happy your dad being happy your cousins being happy your sisters being happy is just the benefit of it if they aren't happy but god is glorified that's okay right they'll catch up eventually right so so in, so enjoy the dating experience enjoy the marriage experience Let's do it all to the glory of God, right? And let's love one another. Let us put right, aside disagreements, 
or anger or strife, for that's not what we've been called to, but we have been called to freedom. So let's pray. Uh, thank you, Lord, um, for you. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. You have set us free from guilt, from shame, from sin, from burdens of the law, traditions, oh God. Thank you, you have given us our cultures, you've given us different mindsets and ideas um, so that we can um, express your glory, you can express your image in different ways and reflect it. May we not um, allow differences in our thoughts or, or, or views cause strife, but let us love one another. Let that be our mind to love our neighbor as ourselves and thereby we fulfill the law of God. And I pray, God, that we'll remember that we're justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and that the fruit of our salvation is obedience to you and love for others, oh God. May we not confuse the two. May we not, just, may we not feel that we're justified by what we do or what we say or how we think, but by you alone. And by may, with the way we date and the way we marry, glorify you um, and make much of you. In Jesus' name.